3, 2, 1. Welcome to this week's episode of Salmon. This episode is considered a milestone for Mel and I, as we are finally at our 10th episode, and we are hoping for many more. In the past few days, we noticed many of our friends sharing the Instagram posts touching on the problem with Malaysian scholarships and the myth of meritocracy. It is evident that many students rely on scholarships to fund their studies after secondary school. However, questions remain on whether some of the terms of some scholarships fully serves the purpose of helping those from disadvantaged groups. This is evident as some bursaries are offered fully based on academic and extracurricular achievements, while some do not cover costs other than tuition fees. Therefore, this week, we will be discussing questions surrounding these issues with an emphasis on those who need scholarships most, namely those from underprivileged or disadvantaged groups. So Mel, do you mind giving us like a quick summary on the Instagram post that we're talking about? Yeah, so this post, I think it was posted like uh, last week or this week. So it's posted by an ex-scholar who faced many difficulties during her journey of um, finding funding to further her studies after SPM. And um, through her experience, she realized that uh, when scholarships provide you with the funding, you still need to pay a certain amount to be eligible for the scholarship. And that amount is unaffordable for some people, and she calls it the hidden fees. So because of her experience, she's now a mentee under the Closing the Gap program. And this program basically helps SPM leavers to get into universities, and they do this by mentoring students. So she posted this post because she felt like I think she felt uh, like she needed to raise awareness about this issue of um, scholarship providers and also to raise funds for her mentee who is currently facing the same issue that she that she faced many years ago. So I think from this post, right, from what I see, it points out two issues about, about scholarship providers. So the first one is that scholarship providers expect you not to be too poor because you need to be able to pay a certain amount of money to be able to afford that scholarship. And secondly is that scholarship providers expect the underprivileged to have the same achievements as the privileged. And this is where um, the myth of meritocracy comes in. So, yeah. So, Chris, what do you think about, you know, this whole situation? Well, I do think that um, as a whole, I think that the initiative that she's going um, that she's basically started, which is like mentoring people that require help. I think that's actually very good of her because um, I think that she would understand the plight of people who are applying for scholarships, especially when they are in circumstances in which they are not the most privileged people. But um, on the point of um, scholarships in general, I do agree with her. I think the biggest problem in um, a lot of scholarship providers is that they focus too much on academic achievements and co-curricular activities. But on the point of um, hidden costs and all that, we will touch on that later on as we've already planned. But I do think that right now, let's just focus a bit on um, the, the overemphasis on academic achievements and co-curricular activities. So I think that a, a very good um, background towards the discussion about this in Malaysia is that um, back in the day, some years ago, um, we used to have a bursary policy in Malaysia that was fully funded by the government. So I think, if I'm not mistaken, um, students were given a full scholarship uh, if they score at least 9A plus in, in their SPM. 
So this, this focus has its merits, such as enabling the government to recognize um, academic talents, whereby their funding would be most likely a good investment, because you know, by, by, by setting this high standard with regard to results, it enables the governments to identify um, the best of minds amongst Malaysian students when it comes to results. But in agreement with that Instagram post we mentioned, like the key flaw of such a policy that focuses too much on academic and extracurricular activities is that it does not consider um, the income groups at all, basically. It means to say that, like, you know, I'm the most privileged child in the country. Um, so long as he or she gets like that 9A plus threshold, needs that 9A plus threshold, then he or she will be given the scholarship. Um, whereas somebody who is um, just slightly, let, perhaps um, whose results is not as good as um, that person, that privileged person, but still very good um, based on the circumstances that he and she, she or he or she is in, um, would be ineligible. So I think that that is a major problem. What What do you think about? that policy, like basically offering scholarships based on merits. Yeah, I think that is a mindset that not just scholarship providers have, but we have in general where we look up to successful people and, and you know, we don't look as highly to like people who, for example, don't have uh, jobs, like nine to five jobs in corporate companies. We tend to have that mindset and it's not just in scholarship providers, it's everywhere. And it's not just our country. So bringing in the myth of meritocracy, right? So this is basically the assumption that everyone has equal chances to succeed through hard work and merits only. But in reality is that all of us, we don't start from equal ground. For example, those who are more financially stable. Um, if you talk in an education perspective, those who come in richer families, they can afford to go for uh, tuition classes. They can, you know, have they can afford to join many extracurricular activities and all that. And um, as comparison to those who are less fortunate, for example, the B40 community, um, maybe they don't, first of all, they can't afford to have extra classes and all that. And maybe they don't have enough, they don't have the same amount of time to study because they need to work to provide for the family. So really the chances here are not, are not similar to be able to succeed and to be able to score uh, good results in exams. So this actually reminds me of this book that I read. So I'm just going to give like a very mm -hmm. quick summary. So it's called um, Outlier by Malcolm Gladwell, I think. Yeah. So it talks about how okay. um, successful people and why they're success successful, right? And the interesting thing about this book is that it talks about all the external factors that contributes to success, whether it is mm. your culture, whether it is the year you were born, the month you were born. And I know it sounds a bit weird now, but when you read the book, like you really understand like his he his the um his explanations of all this yep. all all these factors, right? So basically like okay, so for example, um people who are born in this certain range of years um, they happened to be in their mid-30s when the economy was was in a very good condition and that mm -hmm. is why their careers could take off. So that's just an example of there are so many external factors that contributes to success and it's not just, you know, it's, it's not just as simple as if you're hardworking, then you'll do well. You know, if, if, you, if you score well on your results, you, you get a good job. So it's not just that. So I think the bottom line is that you can't say that someone is successful 100% because of their hard work and there are many other factors that contribute to it.
Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's a very good point. I actually agree with that because um, that is the thing about the myth of meritocracy that was brought up in that post. It's basically that um, um, we tend to assume that, you know, in, in, a, in a free and equal society, everybody starts from the same starting point. But that's clearly not the case because you mentioned like things like culture, year, month. I think that these are actually a lot of things that I think that you should include things like income and even race because these things actually determine where you begin in life. Because we, when we come into this world, basically, um, our life is very much hinges very much hinges upon the sort of family that we're born into. So if we come from a wealthier family, obviously we have more opportunities. Uh, provided in front of us. For example, in an Asian society like ours, a lot of us go for tuition classes. And um, that really makes a difference because it allows us to polish ourselves. It it allows us to identify our weaknesses and all that. And obviously, we will do better in our exams and all that compared to somebody who cannot um, afford these certain classes and they rely completely on what um, they're being taught in school. And in, in, in in, in Malaysia's case, like, classrooms tend to be really big and you do not get that sort of attention. So at times you might not, te- teachers might not really identify your particular problem or your particular weakness compared to tuition teachers because the groups are smaller. So basically um, circumstances really matters. Like I, I, I fully agree with the point that you made, which is that, um, that is, um, we tend to think that, you know, if somebody works hard, um, he or she will succeed. But of course, yes, definitely. But then, the chances of success, or I should say like the, the outcome of your success is very much influenced by these factors that are beyond our control, which leads us back to the point of scholarships, that scholarships that are based solely on academic achievements is very problematic because let's, let's give an example, okay? So if let's talk about, say, uh, a wealthy child or a middle-class child, for example, in a, in a school in, say, Malaysia, like um, he, goes, he or she goes for like um, tuition classes, um, the parents can basically buy them more storybooks and stuff like that, which would increase their vocabulary and stuff like that. And versus somebody who comes from a more underprivileged background, um, somebody who can't afford to go for extra classes and also who works in his free time to raise his or her family. And if we compare it to, let's say, the, the privileged kid gets 9A+, plus, whereas the underprivileged kid gets like 8As. Um, if we were to follow that sort of bursary policy that I brought up that we had in the past, that the government employed in the past, um, only the privileged kid would be the one who is eligible for the scholarship, not the underprivileged one. And the question then becomes, is that fair? So we'll have to have a little bit of imagination in this regard. What if we assume that that underprivileged kid was born into a privileged family where he or she had the same opportunities as someone who's wealthy? Could he have achieved that buying A plus, the likelihood would definitely be higher, right? So I think that when we look when when we have scholarships that focus fully on like just academic results, it doesn't look at the whole picture. It only it would favor those who are who were born to a privilege to succeed because of their background. You get what I mean? So that's why I think that's actually very problematic with these kind of scholarships. So I, I don't think that um and basic, but I think it's important to note that we are not disregarding the achievements of people who come from privileged families. They deserve to be applauded because someone from a privileged family who doesn't work hard will not be able to meet these high results, for example. But we need to recognize that what are scholarships for? Scholarships shouldn't be seen as just a form of like rewarding somebody 
because of their academic achievements. It's, it's, also, it's supposed to be also about helping those who need it most. We need to have a more comprehensive way of looking at scholarships, which is what the Instagram post is actually discussing, that if you focus solely on academic achievements, um, many people will be left behind. And you're basically dumping your resources on those. So if you have this scholarship whereby you don't look at income at all, you don't look at circumstances at all, all you look at the results, there is a risk that you'll be leaving behind those who are capable of success but are not from the but are not from a privileged background. Yeah, I think um before that, right, I think we forgot to like put up a disclaimer that whatever we discuss today is from our points of views and it may be a little skewed because both of us are from, you know, the, the same kind of background where we were uh, privileged enough and fortunate enough to be able to mm-hmm. study overseas. So today we'll be talking about the issues of being uh, less privileged from our mm-hmm. point of view. So, but then I believe that even though, you know, we are privileged enough to study overseas, doesn't mean that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be discussing about this, right? Because it's not wrong to be privileged or fortunate, but it's wrong to be ignorant about those who aren't. So if like we say something that you don't agree with, I think like you guys can like reach out to us and we'll love to listen to your thoughts. So from what Chris said just now, um, we talked about merit-based scholarship, right? Scholarships. So I think there are two types of scholarships um, these days. So one is merit-based and another one is... Um, scholarships to help the underprivileged and from what the Instagram post said was that um, uh, we shouldn't expect scholarships we shouldn't uh, scholarship providers shouldn't expect those who are underprivileged to be able to afford the fees that makes them eligible for the scholarship in the first place so I don't know which type of scholarship she was referring to if it's the one for the underprivileged, I think it makes zero sense because it really doesn't make sense for you to be to have a certain amount of wealth to be able to afford a scholarship because that defeats the purpose of um, yep. helping the needy get education. So you're not you're not actually helping the ones who really need it. Um, if she was referring to a merit based scholarship, um, maybe to a certain extent it kind of makes sense because the the purpose of the scholarship, you know, is not to not really to help the people who can't afford it. So maybe, for example, it's only funding your tuition fees. So, so maybe they are, they are concerned whether you can afford the living expenses and all that. So I think from that point of view, I think it's okay that they are concerned about your finances, but I still don't think it's fair if they decide not to give someone the scholarship just because they think you can't afford the other expenses because that's discrimination. So you can't just write someone off just because you think they can't afford it, right? So from what I saw, the post, the, the Instagram post did receive a bit of backlash in the comments where some mm-hmm. people said that, you know, scholarships, they're not, they're not obligated to fully fund you. You know, they're, they're helping you um, and it's their choice how much they want to help, which is true to a certain extent. So, but for example, so like if the scholarship provider is funding you for your tuition fees only, and if you can't afford for your living expenses, that's not the fault of the scholarship provider. But I think it's wrong when they choose not to afford you with the scholarship, uh, not to award you with the scholarship just because they think you, you won't be able to afford the, the rest of the uh, expenses. So I think back to merit scholarships, right? 
um, I think Chris and I like faced a bit of difficulties preparing for this episode because there's really so many dimensions to this problem, right? Mm. So when when I was trying to prepare for it, you know, a thought came to my mind like, should merit scholarships even exist then? Because it's it's basically pushing up people who are already up there. You know, there are people who are who score well and who is fortunate enough, possibly. And then this scholarship just pushes them even higher up and it's pushing those who who possibly are not scoring very well and not very privileged and they're pushing them down even further. So it just increases this disparity. But I think the thing about merit scholarships is that if you are, for example, if this person is scores very well and is financially stable and is awarded a scholarship, I don't think that person would would deny the like reject the scholarship just because he thinks that he can afford it you know so yeah i think i think it is a very uh complex topic to discuss where mm-hmm. it's not it's not that we say that we say that merit scholarships completely shouldn't exist but it's more like we think scholarship providers should also not just look at the achievements and results of the person you know you don't just look at the cv and, mm-hmm. and look at what this person has done and all that. You should also listen to their story. Um, I think the Instagram post also mentioned like when she she basically said that uh, to scholarship providers, you, sh- you should interview this person and you should yes. let, make this person write an essay for you so that you can see it. You can s- listen to the story of the person and not judge the person just solely based on mm-hmm. their CV. Yeah. Yeah, so I think what you've raised is actually that we're already moving towards the second part of this debate, which is about scholarship, uh, of this discussion, which is scholarship policy. So yes, like you brought up the point early on that um, this is quite a difficult topic because it it really is, because um, there are many kinds of scholarships that are available and each of it has serves its own purpose. So yeah, I agree with you. I mean, we're not saying that merit scholarships shouldn't exist because, I mean, like it's, it's there for a reason. But I think that what we are basically saying is that um, the focus should be more on helping those who are underprivileged. So the question is just simple. Um, if somebody, according to his or her difficult circumstances, already achieves a certain benchmark, we need to ask ourselves whether or not that person, despite his or her circumstances, achieving that benchmark, is it possible that he or she could do even better if he or she gets the help the necessary help. So that's the thing that we're trying to discuss earlier. We're not saying that merit scholarships are bad because merit scholarships certainly help a different group of people as well, like basically middle middle class families, for example. So for example, a middle class family might not necessarily be capable of um, sending their kid to another country for education, for example, because of the tuition fees. But if they just receive help in tuition fees, they would be able to fund other aspects of the kid's life uh, overseas as a student, such as um, accommodation, lodging, and stuff like that. So merit scholarships is helpful to a certain group of people. But what we're saying basically is that the focus should be more on helping the underprivileged. So I think, it, which is why the point that you raise about circumstances, uh, I mean, having interviews and all that, I think that that's a very, very fundamental part of scholarships. Scholarships shouldn't just be handed out according to the CV, because if you just look at the CV, it'll, it'll be very difficult for you to tell circumstances of that individual. You'll only be choosing based on what looks best. However, when you have an interview, or if you have more thorough research, 
you'll be able to identify um, the sort of life this person was leading, what are the challenges he or she faced. And by doing that, you can actually be able to get a more diverse pool of scholars. And we can bring into this thing about, um, um, about basically scholarship policies. Um, do you think that scholarship providers should provide more in terms of like um, accommodation and all that? Do you think that that should be uh, a thing for everybody or should it just be based on circumstances? Yeah, so I think in terms of um, providing scholarships, right, I think it should be, be more based on circumstances instead of, you know, just a set a set package where everyone receives the same thing. For example, I think it could be more uh, flexible where if you have 10, 10 students that you need to provide for, maybe you can look at their financial status and see how much you can provide for each person. For example, maybe the, the less privileged one, you can um, fund their uh, living, living costs living cost as well. Yeah, living mm -hmm. expenses as well. Um, and maybe those who can afford it, maybe you can just fund their tuition fees. So I think I think that is a possible um, possible way that we can we can prevent this this problem from going on. And also, I think um, moving on to still 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 about scholarships, but moving on to mm -hmm. a different aspect of it, right? I think there are also when it comes to scholarships, there are also many types of. Um, other discriminations and a lot of other things mm -hmm. that are taken into account, not just results. Um, for example, maybe your field of study or mm. your or your race or okay, we won't get into race because that is a completely different topic. But mm -hmm. focusing more on a field, the field of study, right? Um, I think what the person who posted the Instagram post also said that because people in the comments were saying that oh, you know, you should have just applied to more more places, uh, okay. more scholarship providers so that um, you have more chances of being able to afford. And what, what she said was that, which I, I, I also really resonate with that, she said that um, because she was she was applying for a field of study that is not very conventional, so there, were, okay. there weren't many... Um, there weren't many companies that were providing for, for this field of study. And I also felt that way because for me, I was studying science and... Um, I think in Malaysia, at least, not a lot of funding goes into their area. So there are not a lot of um, companies or organizations that are willing to sponsor science students um, as compared to maybe accounting or engineering. So, yeah. So, But I think that this, this is a problem where it comes down to the whole, you know, the whole structure of our, our country as a whole mm -hmm. where where a lot of funds are channeled into a certain field and less to like, for example, science or arts. So yeah, I think that that is a problem that would take many, many years to solve. So yeah. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I, I think that we do have a problem over here because um, a lot of people who offer scholarships um, in Malaysia, for instance, I think that these people are providers that have their preferences. So, um, for instance, I think that like if it's a construction company that is going to give out a scholarship, they might have a liking towards engineers because I, I think that they do have perhaps, you know, some scholarships basically, um, yeah, bonded to them. So in exchange of us funding your education, you have to come back and work for us for like five years, 10 years. So obviously they would want to fund someone who would be of use towards 
their company, for example. So they, they have a point over there. But I do think that if, if all scholarship providers were to think like that, there will not be a diverse pool of scholars in this country. You know, I mean, there will not be a diverse pool of scholars because if, if most companies that are providing scholarships only want a certain um, set of like, individuals um, towards, to study a, a particular set of courses, there, there, would not, there would be a lack of diversity in, in, in the sort of scholars that we have. And I think that that puts a lot of underprivileged people in a very, very difficult position as well. Because we need to recognize that we live in an era in which um, going to university is about doing what is very often about doing what you like. So we hear stories of people um, being forced to say study accounting or study a particular degree because of their parents telling them to do so. In, in such circumstances, let's put ourselves in the shoes of somebody who's underprivileged. If he or she knows that he or she needs to get a scholarship in order to thrive, in order to, to further her education, uh, you kind of like you're basically like giving them like a Hobson's choice, like um, study this course and get a scholarship, or don't get a scholarship at all because you're going to do something else. So you put, you put a lot of these people in a very difficult position. If you go, I mean, a difficult position because like they might be like, you know, one way or the other, like forced to study something that they don't like for the sake of securing a scholarship. So I'm not, I'm not saying that um, scholarship providers are wrong to basically set such limits. But I think that they should provide more leeway if you get what I mean. Like they shouldn't just shoot down somebody from getting a scholarship because they're doing a course that they don't necessarily like. Like for you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's like a student, an underprivileged kid who likes philosophy, for example, might, might, might be you know, discouraged from studying philosophy because he's less likely to secure a scholarship because of that. Yeah, I think, okay, I think this problem, we can also look at it in terms of, um, I think going back to the, our point about mm -hmm. um, looking at the CV, CV right? Mm -hmm. um, I think we can also look at it as a whole or maybe like a different dimension. Maybe it's also, um, it also comes down to our education system as a whole where we focus too much on exams. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and I think that when we, when we have this education system that, that um, focuses too much on exams where when you leave school the only thing that you leave with is a cert that says how many A's you get for example yep. and yeah and this is not not just a problem in Malaysia it's a problem like in many countries as well and yeah. I think it's easy to say that changes can be made to make education more holistic but it's really it's really not that easy because um I think Malaysia Malaysia has tried to make those changes before. Um, I think Chris and I we were in the first batch of PT three, um, where where we had, PT three yeah PT three and PBS. So PBS was um pentaksiran berasaskan sekolah, where at that time the education uh education ministry tried to um bring in a different approach to education where they do many small tests and many small projects instead of a huge exam at the end. Mm -hmm. But um, I think that was actually a very, very good, um, very, very good initiative to bring in because I do think that education should be, should be that way. It shouldn't be like fully exam-based. But the problem with that is that um, it's not easy to implement. It takes many, many years to, to get the mindset uh, of both students and teachers to be able to to fully use that kind of system. So what happened mm -hmm. 
I think what happened during our time was that um, it was very suddenly int- introduced to us in Form 1 where we were already very used to like six years of full, full exams. Yeah, yeah and the yes. teachers also were trained to focus on exams. So first of all, the teachers weren't trained to, to have this PBS sort of uh, education and also the okay. students also weren't used to it. So in the end, what happened was that... Um, I think it was very, very hard for our batch in particular because it was the first year that they introduced it. Mm-hmm. And then what happened in the end was that they they came up with PT3, which in the end was like a PMR. <laughs> in the end, it was yeah. it was an exam. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah. So I think the government realized that it was very hard to 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 score students to grade students in in that way in the PBS mm-hmm. way. And then in the end, they thought they realized that you still need to have an exam. And that's why last minute they introduced PT3. So I think I think there's a country, I'm not mistaken, who has like the best education system. Is it like Denmark or something? I think it's Finland, I think. I don't, I think, I think yeah, 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 Finland. They don't even have subjects, I think. Apparently, something like that. They don't have subjects as well. They don't have exams. Yeah, yeah. So maybe the situation in Finland would be better in terms of providing scholarships where they look at a more, like, a more holistic point of view where I think in in our country, it's more of like people look up to you when you do like science or something, and they yes. don't. Yeah, mm, that, that's a very that's a very good point because the thing is that if we look at the way our education system is structured, right? so in fact, in many countries, if it's solely based on exams, um, people who go for like tuition classes, extra classes, are obviously going to get an upper hand because um, you, you, you don't know like how good these tuition teachers are. I mean, like they, they have this like special ability to like spot exam questions, for example, and stuff like that. Like, you know, like, or, or basically like just having the, the money to go for these extra classes means that like you have more opportunities to like drill yourself to like practice. Those people from privileged backgrounds, I think I've mentioned this many times already, they're going to get an upper hand and stuff like that. Whereas those who can't afford will not be able to um, get these much of privileges. Uh, so I think that actually the PBS system was actually very good because if I'm not mistaken back then when we were in Form 3 and we were 15, it was that the PBS system is something in which um, students are allowed to try. If they fail to pass something, they're allowed to try again and again until they finally achieve oh, it. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and the teacher would just like change the, the, the paper that they're giving you, but you're allowed to try again and again until you get full marks and then you pass. So this, I think that this was a scheme that was actually really good for those who are not privileged because it gives them more room to like try on their own. And also it reduces the pressure cooker environment, if you get what I mean. So it's, it actually helped everybody across the board. But the thing is that when you, with the PBS system, I do think that scholarships would have been more, I should say, um, caring about the circumstances of individuals where scholarship givers will not have, cannot just focus solely on marks in which the privilege would be better in it because the circumstances they are in. So I think that um, the, the, the system was actually a good try, but unfortunately, in this society, um, a lot of people don't quite um, agree with such a system that doesn't have exams. Yeah, I, in fact, I I don't know if PBS is still a thing now. Do you know if, if like, no, what, I, what are I, they I'm doing? Not, I'm not too sure about it, actually. Yeah, yeah, same. I, I don't really know as well what, like, what's going on now, but maybe what can be done is, that maybe you can introduce it from the start of standard one because then I think students mm. would be more used to it because standard one is where they they start studying for real. So if you introduce that um, 
at a point where they are very, very young age, then I think they'll be a lot more used to it. And in terms of training teachers as well, I think they, they should be trained in a different way um, to implement this PBS system properly. Um, but also one more thing is that when you talk about, um, again, bringing in like the situation where, where some students can be underprivileged, right? Um, mm -hmm. I don't know whether it's meant to be like this, but for me personally, um, when, I was, when I was having this like PBS, there were a lot of projects and then there were, mm -hmm. there were a lot of money involved. I, I don't know if it's yeah, the same yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was because we had to, we had, we had to print a lot of things as well. Yeah, exactly. And like, for example, for my for my Pandirika moral, like moral studies, um, we had to like rare a fish or something. So we had to like, oh we had to buy fishes and then the fishes like died mm. in the end. But anyway, like, I, I feel like there's, with this approach, I think there's also a lot of, a lot more money involved instead of just exams and... Yeah, books. certainly. Of course. Yeah. Um, you might need to do like field trips and all that. Yes, and yes. It definitely costs a lot more. But then I just I just I just remembered something now. Let's let's move back a bit towards like scholarships. So if we're not okay, so if we think that the focus too much on education is too it, it, it has a lot of its problems. Um, some would argue that like should we have a scholarship that's not just based on results, but a scholarship that is based on extracurricular activities. And back to the Instagram post that we raised earlier on, um, that, that we've been talking about, we've been basing this discussion on is that she also feels that um, scholarships that are focused too much on extracurricular activities is also, uh, does not really help the underprivileged. Um, my take on that is that I think that that is true. So I think that focusing completely on academic results is actually just pure nonsense because um, of the points that we've already just raised. But does, extra, does a scholarship based on extracurricular activities actually alleviate these problems that we've just raised? I think that to a certain extent, it does help some people. So, for example, I was when I was in pre-university, I did get a scholarship but that was fully based on extracurricular activities. Now, that was good in the sense that it allows people who are not so... Such a scholarship is, not, is good because it, it allows people who are not doing so well academically because of various reasons to have the opportunity to, to further their studies because um, they are active in other aspects of education. But I do think that such a scholarship actually it, it, it leads us back to the same thing. That does it really help the underprivileged? I think that at times it probably doesn't because even such scholarships that, that are based on extracurricular activities, I think that it will definitely favor more advantaged groups as well. Because it, for me personally, um, I was eligible for that scholarship because of the fact that I was involved in debate in, 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 in secondary school. I was a debater back then. I participated in quite a number of um, competitions. And the thing is that such scholarships is good because it, 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 it looks at things holistically in terms of education, but it leads us back to the thing of like the underprivileged. I don't think that they would be able to thrive as much under such a scholarship as well because um, to participate in extracurricular activities, the hard truth is that you do need money for that as well, which leads us back to the point of what you mentioned about PBS as well. We needed money to do like field trips. trips. We did the money for printing, like lots of printing, and to take part in extracurricular activities, you need money as well. So back then when I used to go for debate competitions, I had to pay to participate in those debate competitions. I had to pay to be given a platform to show my talent, for example. So that th just brings us to like the huge problem in terms of scholarship. It's often 
structured in a way that helps the privilege or allows the privilege to have a head start. If you get what I mean? What is your take on this then? Do, do, do you agree what I'm saying about extra credit? Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. So um, I think when it comes to both results and extracurricular activity, it both falls under the same category of education and of school. And the problem is that the underprivileged are, it's, it's not very accessible for them. Like, like mm-hmm. the things happening in school, it's just not very easy for them. So for example, um, extra, extra curricular, extracurricular activities like you need to stay for longer hours in school for example for me it was like um it's school in the morning and then uh extra like cocoa in the afternoon so for example if you need to go out and work part-time to to um to pay your bills Mm -hmm. right for your family you won't be able to participate in this extracurricular activity so again it puts you at, at a disadvantage so yeah i think that um, I think that poverty, right? I think it's it's a vicious cycle where mm-hmm. if your parents are uneducated, they don't see the value in education, and then the children also don't see it, and they end up having to work from a very young age to support the family. Mm-hmm. Or even if they see the importance of education, um, their social status makes it difficult for them to realize um, their dreams, their ambitions, and all that. So yes, like poverty is clearly a vicious cycle. And I think that that is the key, that is the essence of that Instagram post that we are discussing, that we're basing this discussion on, is what is the purpose of scholarships? I think, it, I think that we've come, we can establish that it should be meant to help the underprivileged. Yeah, yeah. And I think education is like, at this day and age, right? I think it's like, it's almost like a basic necessity where when you get a job, they see your your cert, your degree. Like you need to go to university to get a stable, secure job. So that makes education such an important thing. Um, and basically, oh, I, I found this, uh, I think by Kazana Research Institute. I think they, mm-hmm. they said that um, those with tertiary education actually earn 3.6 times more than those who don't own a degree so again it's back to this uh vicious cycle right and i think when it comes to poverty this is we are only looking at it from the aspect of education and there's actually so many other things that's going on and i think it just falls down to like our whole society like as a whole you know where where there's all these disparities in in our social status and i think where the the underprivileged they continue continuously get oppressed and they don't they don't have the opportunity to basically rise up the the ranks in society mm-hmm. so yes i think so as we head towards the end of this podcast then um you know of this week so on um let's look at the ways to resolve this problem then uh the problems with regard to scholarship um i think that one of the ways in which we can resolve this problem is that um i think that first thing that we've clearly identified is that um, the focus should not be solely based on academics and extracurricular activities. Um, and that the, second, the second thing that we have established is that um, income groups and circumstances should be considered because scholarships is meant to help the most advantages. So we have to look at things differently, right? Such as the merits of your performance based on the circumstances that you are in. And then the third thing should also be on like the focus on financial position. So like I, like I mentioned earlier on, it is not to say that those who are privileged are undeserving of 
um, rewards for their achievements. But there is a need to ensure that those who are most disadvantaged are not left behind. And I think that um, the person who posted this Instagram post, based on the initiatives that she's launching right now, just to help somebody, was it like was it a mentor or something like that? Yeah, yeah, mentoring. Yeah, it, it, that's a, actually a very good illustration of somebody who really wants to help um, those who are, who, are, who are in the position that she was in, because um, she's basically not epitomizing the person who's who's taking the advantage and pulling up the ladder behind her, because she's helping people who were in the situ- who are in the situation that she was in. So I think that's very good. And then, so I think her focus is mostly on the fact that there needs to be an emphasis on financial position. You get what I mean? And so um, my suggestion to this problem is that, um, I think that something that you raised earlier on is that wherever possible, I think that holistic funding should be provided, like accommodation, travel, et cetera, um, depending on the person's circumstances. So, for instance, it should be targeted. Um, what do you think about this? Um, for example, um, do you think that, um, for instance, those who only need help with tuition fees, they should, the only the tuition fees should be funded then. And then for those who need a full comprehensive package, they should get a full comprehensive package. Do you think that it should be targeted in such a way? Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that um, we should look, I think scholarship providers should look at uh, these applicants at a case case by case basis, so um, we should really look at them as an individual and as a person mm-hmm. instead of um, and also their situation, uh, their circumstances instead of just oh like you know on a piece of paper, which is what we already said like multiple times. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I think just to um, close this this episode, uh, we'll end it with like one or two takeaway messages. So I think that if you are financially secure, you should consider donating and, and helping these students who are facing financial difficulties because Absolutely. education is really like it's really a basic need at this point. And I think it should be available for everyone. And entering university, for me personally, it has been such a blessing and I really hope mm-hmm. that you know everyone in this world can have the opportunity to to study and get good education so if you have the capacity to help these people you can help them using um, various uh, resources and organizations i think there are many organizations that are focused on education such as uh, teach for malaysia and yeah so i think you can just like search up all these organizations and help them yeah and just like you know a, a final sort of like point for me is that um i think that it's important for us to know that i think um, this episode should not be taken as a, a criticism towards um, um, scholarship providers or the ways in which you're doing it. I think that it's just two students who think that we need to engage on this topic more as to mm-hmm. how scholarships can actually help people who need it most. Yeah. Uh, I think it's important to note that we are not in any way saying that privileged people are undeserving of scholarships. What we're saying is that um, scholarships should be focused more on those who need it most. Uh, based on the circumstances they're in. But I think that we have to acknowledge it at the point, which is that scholarships are indeed very costly, especially for people who want to go abroad. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think uh, on, in the year that both of us went into the UK, before we went there, I remember this, there was this guy who was um, trending on Twitter, like everybody was just gathering to help him because um, he was from an underprivileged family. Um, he got an offer to study medicine at Cambridge. And um, I think that people started to like crowdfund for him because 
um, he really needed help in order to accept his offer to go to Cambridge. And it seems like a lot of people didn't, some people did not want to fund the scholarship, for example, if I'm not mistaken, or some companies or even the government, for instance, found it difficult to fund his studies in Cambridge because studying there, med studying medicine there is going to be very, very costly. But um, all's well, ends well. I mean, he got the scholarship in the end um, and he truly deserves it because he's truly a hardworking person. But the point that I'm trying to make over here is that like, we need to acknowledge that scholarships are indeed very, very costly, especially if you want to study abroad. And the thing is that not all scholarship providers can afford offering a comprehensive scholarship package. So in terms of these scholarship providers, right, I think that we need to also understand that they do have, they are benevolent in their own ways. They do want to help people, but at times they just cannot offer a comprehensive package because it'll be too much for them. And then even for universities, like we, um, like in Sheffield, like they provide merit undergrad, they merit, provide like merit undergr undergraduate scholarships. Like universities, it, it also is difficult for them to offer a comprehensive package at times because the budget of universities are also very tight at times. So they cannot afford to fund everything. But what we are basically suggesting as a takeaway point is that wherever possible, we should fund as much as possible. Um, and so if at the upper time, I think I'm going to say it, is that we need to focus on those who need it most. So we need to acknowledge differences in um, financial status and all that. And most importantly, I think that the point that um, resonates with me is that, and I'm like, I'm really like aware of this, is that whenever scholarship providers are choosing to, are contemplating on who to offer a scholarship, they need to be acutely cognizant of the circumstances of their applicants. And they cannot, they must not be patronizing towards those who deserve, who are asking for a scholarship. I think that one of the most um, very touching points that the post pointed out was that, um, and I quote, um, quote unquote, we want to help poor people, but you can't be too poor, or we understand you're poor, but we still expect you to pay up. Now that is patronizing. Scholarship providers need to ensure that the way they phrase things, like we recognize that their hands are tied at, at times, but there is a need for them to be sensitive uh, towards people who, towards their applicants, basically. So yeah, th that's my, my takeaway point. Yeah, I completely agree. And also that, that really fits in into the second takeaway point that I was just going to say, which is like, we should really, not just scholarship providers, but even in ourselves and everyone as a whole, we should really change our mindset where we shouldn't judge someone um, based on what's written on their CV. And instead, you should listen to their story. And um, you should never look down on people who aren't in high ranks in corporate companies, for example. Like the worst thing you can say to someone is that if I don't study hard, I'll end up being like that rubbish, rubbish collector. And I know that that's a mindset that, you know, <laughs> yeah. like all our parents tell us. So yeah, I, I think that we should really like, remove that mindset because success is not only based on your merits, but you also have to be lucky to a certain extent to be successful. So yeah, I think that wraps up our 10th episode of Sound On and we'll see you next episode. Yep, thank you for tuning in to us this week. Um, we didn't have any guests this week, but we hope that you enjoy this week's discussion.